Hello, it's Charlotte's sister, C. Farrell, host of Powered by Age, Canada's longest-running senior-led podcast that invites you to do what you love. This podcast is for you if you love writing or telling stories, if you love sharing poetry or doing interviews. This podcast is for you if you love working on ways to create age-friendly cities. This podcast is for you if you love learning how to tame technology and get more out of virtual events, if you love finding more ways to share your heritage or traditions. If you love any of these things, you can go beyond listening and join our weekly podcast group. Simply email pbaafc at gmail.com and put your name in the subject line. Powered by Age is sponsored by the Government of Canada, New Horizons Grant, the 411 Senior Center Society, and G&F Financial Group. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Powered by Age, Canada's longest-running senior-led podcast. I'm Charlotte Farrell, the host, and I want to acknowledge that our program and our uh, project takes place on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Siliwatu, and Squamish nations. And today we are going to be talking a little bit beyond what it means when we just say that we acknowledge these things, but some of the words that we've heard in the news, the terrible news that we've heard about more children's bodies being found, uh, we're going to have an activity where we look at a few words or terms that we've heard, but even more so because if you like me feeling a little bit just overwrought with that news. What does it mean in a country like Canada where we so much valued freedoms and where we looked at around the world as being a peaceful country? Um, how does this rest? What's the responsibility for us? What things can we do? So that's going to be part of our discussion today. We also have music. We have music from uh, Indigenous artists. And with music, we've been in integrating music in different ways with our podcast. One is just to have a time to move. When you sit for an hour, it is not a great thing, especially for us who are adding years to our lives. <laughs> and so we have been integrating moving, whether the movement is a spiritual movement, a, a dance movement, but adding movement. And so as you listen to the pieces today, we will be thinking in how, what ways our bodies lead us to move as we are uh, connecting with the message of the music. Mu of the music. So without further ado, the next thing we do is just have the people who are on at the beginning uh, introduce themselves um, today if there is something that you feel most, what's the thing that you feel most compelled to do um, with regard to making Canada an age-friendly, happy city. And um, you'll start with Nancy. Hello, Charlotte. Um, my name is Nancy Sinclair, and I live on beautiful Vancouver Island. And I'm just digesting the question, what am I committed to do to making an age-friendly city? Accessibility. I think accessibility is, is one of my my biggest interests and passions. And actually they're doing a, um, uh, they're looking to modify our waterfront here and taking into account accessibility for, for everybody. Uh, pardon me for my little puppy that's barking in the background. Um, 
I think for myself, it's sometimes bringing to people's attention. They don't always recognize in buildings what isn't accessible. You know, like architects and engineers, they build a building, but they don't necessarily function in the building. So sometimes people are just very oblivious. They don't have any, they don't have any recognition. They don't have any consciousness or have even realized that accessibility can be a difficulty for somebody. Uh, even in terms of the weight of a door, the, the, the direction a door opens or doesn't open, um, the space of the door, um, just the ease of, of which you're accessing an, a space, an office space, or there are just so many different components. Sometimes they just, hills, I see lots of hills where people parking lots, you know, they'll have a, a slope. So I think it's bringing it to people's attention that can do something to make the changes. So that's my commitment. Okay, um, Mario. Good afternoon, everybody. And that is my first day uh, uh, being an observer at this time uh, about this powered by age. And um, I like uh, Nancy's idea about accessibility. But actually, uh, a few days ago, uh, Accessibility British Columbia Act was I received royal assent. So that is very interesting in the sense that uh, the marginalized group of people I'm referring for about people with disability, uh, uh, the and the BIPOC that's that. Uh, Black Indigenous people of color has been marginalized in some sense uh, in their ability to be integrated in in the society. So this act, uh, this Accessibility Act, will be very helpful in helping, uh, as Nancy mentioned, designers about public utilities. Uh, how wide oh, how how wide the doors should be or the washrooms what is the height of the tables uh, and the sitting of uh, the chairs in public parks are they low enough or are they high enough for for seniors to be able to to stand up after they they sit sat down because most of the time uh, the, the designers will say Oh, we uh, we conform with the American standard, but oh, but can we not? Yeah, 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 can yeah. we not go beyond the standard so that we can uh, sort of um, make these facilities available uh, to uh, to see to seniors who access these areas and. For example, uh, pedestrians uh, traffic can they be wi widened so that there is now uh, the distancing between mobile transport on the pedestrians? As you know, more and more of these modern uh, mobile devices are using uh, uh, pedestrian that uh, uh, pedestrian that is designed for. Oh, no. So uh, you see those uh, skateboards, motorized uh, vehicles uh, using the pedestrians. So how can we as seniors help the city design uh, these uh, facilities? And actually, if you live in certain municipalities, they have special groups of uh, advocacy group that help uh, help them design. I live in Burnaby, so we have a Burnaby, uh, Burnaby uh, Access uh, Advisory Council uh, composed of seniors uh, 
uh, outreach uh, uh, societies and people with disabilities like the hearing and sight impaired that helps them. And also TransLink has the TUAC, that's TransLink Universal Access Council, that composed of staff and members from the public that criticize, uh, critique uh, facilities. So it's important that seniors be involved with these projects. And I'll start from there. Thank you. Okay. Um, Neil. Oh, unmute yourself. Can't hear. Yes. Can't hear. Here we are. Yes, Gail. Hi, Gail. Hi. <laughs> well, beautiful, beautiful day today. Just absolutely gorgeous. I was out there this I morning try. at I could, I, I mean, 7 o'clock feeding my crows. You know what I they're talking about. Four crows this morning following me as I as I walked. So beautiful day. And um, I don't think there's very much can be done to improve in this in the joy that we have that we live in such a beautiful city and such a beautiful country. It, yeah, we we are indeed very blessed to be here, and uh, I'm quite n not surprised that there are more children, and I understand perhaps even adults that have been buried in unmarked graves, and I feel. Yeah great sadness that that is the truth mm -hmm. uh, but yet there's a part of me that is not surprised because those were different times and different thoughts and and people were abused children were abused yeah. but hopefully healing will take place for all of us. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, if you, you know, in our planning this month, June has been a month where we've done a special recognition or tributes to different groups. It was uh, Indigenous Peoples Month for the first time that we've celebrated. Uh, but this year, people have asked that we commemorate rather than celebrate due to the disturbing, distraughtful findings of first 215 children buried at one former residential school. And then just last night, just yesterday, yeah. the confirmation of 700. So today, the, one activity that we were going to do okay. is each of you in your chat box have a particular word. And there's some words that we've heard a lot in the news, but what I wanted you, without doing a lot of thinking about it, just looking at the word, uh, gonna ask you uh, just what you think that they mean. And Jesse um, is with us as well. Jesse is the public affairs director at CGSF Radio and with our podcast, he's our technical support person. So Jesse also has a word. So I'm going to ask you if you will start with your word, Jesse. 
And what we'll do is, since everybody has a different word, we'll kind of just like hit, listen, hear what people's take was on that word, and then we'll come back to having a discussion about what other uh, what others might feel about those particular words. So, uh, Jesse, do you want to start? Sure. Um, yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, Jesse here. My word is unseated, which is uh, obviously one of the big parts of the territorial acknowledgement that is given um, at the beginning of events. And uh, in, in my understanding, that's uh, related to the way that the territory came under the control of the Canadian government. Um, and what unseated means is that there was never any formal treaty or acknowledgement or sort of legal process of, of transfer of the, the ownership of said land. So in BC, most of BC um, is not covered by any of the treaties that um, were signed over uh, most of the rest of what is now Canada. Um, so the land here is in a sort of state of legal limbo where it's not legally the Canadian government, but the Canadian government has assumed control of it. Okay. Um, Nancy, your word and thoughts. My word was indigenous, indigenous. And so indigenous, what I think of it or how it occurs to me is naturally occurring in a particular place. So even say in terms of plants, you know, like there's different plants that are indigenous to certain regions. You know, there's certain plants, trees that would grow, say, in uh, Jamaica, uh, tropical countries that wouldn't be indigenous to parts of the West Coast here in Canada and vice versa, you know, so we have plants and trees. Even though we have, you know, like rainforests here, we have a variety of climates, even in our one province, there's certain things that are indigenous to our area that we wouldn't have the benefit of seeing in another part of the world. So indigenous originating or occurring naturally in a particular place. So it's native to that area. Well, you're muted, Charlotte. They hold instead of at home, so you'll hear a little bit of background noise. I was saying, how do you relate that in terms of people in the same way as plants? That's a good I would think, you know, going Going back, and I, you know, going back in time, you know, back to the time, say, of settlers, and, you know, people are indigenous to a certain region. They, you know, generationally, they were, you know, born in that area. Their families have stayed in that area. And so the people themselves perhaps are indigenous to that area. That's where they originated from. And the families have grown and lived and and generationally, like I say, they just continue to come from that area. So I would say perhaps certain cultures, certain um, 
certain cultures, certain people um, are indigenous to a particular part of the world. Maybe that's just the, you know, the the seed, the root of where they've come from. Not that they've necessarily not expanded and grown and traveled and started to live and, uh, you know, set roots in other parts of the world. It just seems that there's certain groups of people that are indigenous to a particular area of a, of a country. Okay. Thank you. We'll go. We'll get other people's feedback about each other's words, but first we'll just give each person uh, opportunity to talk about their particular words. So, Gail, what was yours? You know, this word has been ever since the um, uh, children in Kamloops were found. Uh, this word has been swirling around in my mind, and I said, "Yeah, this is it. This is our Holocaust." And what I mean by that is the German people actually faced up to what they had done to the Jews and everybody else over time, over time. I remember my buddy uh, Dave Strauss, he's still around. Um, he's 70 or 71 right now. And he said, Gail, people were apologizing to me left and right and they were total Nazis. I went, well, Dave. And, and then and then the, the um, really democratic... Um, social system that Germany set up and, and so it, it's a country that actually faced their crimes and did something about it and I think we are a country that are facing our crimes and slowly but surely are doing something about it me, I'm a settler uh, the Ukrainian side came here well there's people in this room whose people got here before my di mine did um, but on the Holditch side, they've been around since the 1700s. And so we're old, old settlers on stolen Seneca land in Ontario. Um, and, uh, and so uh, our responsibility, my responsibility as a settler is to be an ally. And, and to, um, you know, I, people, people are kind of weird. They, they, they kind of, oh, yeah, that's, that's the Indian center. Well, you know, I've been there a number of times, especially for the Christmas fair, which is excellent to buy presents. Um, and uh, people said, and my, my, my First Nations friends say, this is open to the public. Anybody can come, and, and everybody does come uh, if they know about it. And I said, well, why are we so afraid and timid to walk on to... Um, uh, into a First Nations place or on, onto what's designated as First Nations land, as long as we have the permission to be there. And, and that, 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 that's, that, that's totally legitimate. And so my responsibility as a settler in absolutely every way I can is to be an ally. Oh, you're, 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 you're muted. You're muted. Can't hear you. Can't hear you. Ah, this is one of the problems, difference in, in being in your home where you can pick your silent room and being in a public place or and being within a meeting space where there's many conversations going. Um, okay, uh, Mario, your word was reconciliation. Uh, yes, uh, I think uh, 
at this time, I think that is a word that we need, we need to consider because there's so many apologies since this issue has been, has been uh, came to the forefront way back in the 1990s. And some people said, uh, as, as, uh, some of these uh, uh, groups says, oh, the, the Catholic Church has never acknowledged or apologized, but, but the, but the, um, but if if we can look back and see some of the issues that have been uh, brought to the public attention way back uh, in the 1990s, these uh, issues have been uh, uh, I don't want to say dealt with, but rather acknowledged. Uh, but we always come back finger pointing. But it is indeed unfortunate that this happened in this particular history. It's a shameful part of Canadian history that this happened, but it's part it's it's part of history and should be acknowledged. And I would say try to figure out how can we move on kind of thing because to penalize people, uh, the citizens who have been born way after that uh, period in our shameful uh, part of the history and then say, oh, the present minister, oh, the present uh, uh, governor or federal or mayor should apologize. I do not think uh, that is uh, is part of the solution because why blame the present from the uh, mistakes of the past generations kind of thing but rather i think to me it is probably a better idea to understand and try to reconcile the issues that were uh, that affected that particular point of our history and how we can uh, sort of make um, uh, we can make amendments in the social way we treat the um, the, 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 the um, indigenous uh, group of people because at this time we still have social uh, um, governmental policies that affect them the issues that deal with uh, the uh, with the, our indigenous community like uh, water education uh, funding and uh, youth uh, youth welfare kind of thing there's so many issues that are ingrained in 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 government policies that needs to be looked at and how we can reconcile issues that made those kind of mistakes happen in the past so there's no sense of uh, of looking in the past and blaming the present uh, and and they say, oh, you should uh, uh, give X million dollars uh, for the remaining people kind of thing. Is that useful? So those are the questions in my mind at this time. Thank you. Neil, I think your word was traditional. <clears throat> you know, for thousands and thousands of years, we grow ever so slowly. And everything changes over time. 
little by little. And we've come to a place where we need to acknowledge that we are changing. We are, we're, we're, we're part of the entropy of the world. That is that this acknowledge that we are, we have, we have done so many wrongs, not just Canada, not just the John A. McDonald, you know, at the time, perhaps what they were trying to do was to bring the native community into the rest of the, of, of the world. And in order to do that, they had to trample on the traditions, on the language, and and it's disgraceful, but it's what was there at the time, and we are evolving. We are growing, little by little. And I, I remember as a child, I, was, I had surgery when I was four years old, and I shared my room with at least two indigenous native peoples. And... I have no idea why they were in hospital, but the nurses looked after the young boys just like they were looking after me. So I really like to see the world as it is, which is that we all grow little by little. And they those boys they were in the same predicament that i was in which is I, I i'm sorry i was four years old i don't remember what was the problem but there were two young boys I, they maybe had mumps or something I, I i i really don't know i was just remembering that the nurses looked after them with no no difference than me they were just we were not, we were ill children so little by little you know the south american indians were or whatever indigenous they were abused so were natives all over the world and it's still going on all over the world we are you know the one thing that i keep in mind all the time is that there is only one human being on this planet we are all the same we're from the same mother and we all have the same color blood let's stop spilling it thank you Okay, my, my word is nationhood, and I have different feelings about nation as it is it, it, with respect to indigenous people. In different parts of the world, there were people that were already living in particular places, but as commerce and capitalism 
uh, began to grow and with trade, as people started to find that there were people in other places that maybe had more resources, the resources that were in Africa, resources that were in India, uh, the con connection between uh, just exploration to see what was around the world to carrying weapons to places where people were more peaceful or people were dealing differently with the land. And because of the presence, the ability to have weapons that were stronger than people who were using the strongest thing they used against another human might have been a stick or a dart, that a lot of people claimed like the discovery of America. Uh, America was already there. But the discovery of of uh, of uh, China, China, I mean, <laughs> discovery of uh, of Canada, it was already here. So a lot of the problems that we have is that at different points where there have been different countries that have been part of their nature was to be uh, in control of the world, where they said the sun never set on the Roman Empire, the sun never set on the British Empire. As some people were more warlike or some people you see, we are all the same, but some people's nature have been different in the ways that they have traveled the world and encompassed or engaged in other people. So in these two countries that are very close together, uh, Canada and America, there was a similar experience of people who were already here and people who had nations, people who had lands, and people had ways of interacting with each other. But uh, with the explorers coming in and saying, oh, we found this great land. They had their trips where it had been financed, financed through England, financed through Portugal, financed by to a number of European countries. They put down their flame and claimed nationhood within things that were already nations. And so where um, Mario has said, uh, in some part, forgiving the past, and not saying, well, we need to give something to those people whose lands were taken. Uh, I don't totally agree with because nations already existed and that we do have to come to some point where we recognize, um, you know, there's, there's a part of the Caribbean where the river is called the Rouge River and there's Rouge River because uh, people were put to death if they didn't accept the faith. So I, I think that we have to acknowledge uh, and, and what's causing a lot of emotional crisis for people as part of their religions, like within people who are in, within the Catholic Church, people within the churches that operated um, the residential schools. Some of the people now are very horrified that people allowed people to be children to be tortured or children, you know, some people are speaking of that were survivors of the residential schools, drugged down steps or put into cold water to make them not use their language, to make them forget everything about their nation. And so whether that is human progress, you know, to, to force people that were in one nation to accept the dress, the language, <clears throat> the norms, the food of another, I think is a gross violation. And it's one of the things now that these uh, rights of nationhood that existed uh, and the people that are here now, you know, like the people say, we didn't did it, <laughs> we didn't do it. We weren't the ones, it was those people way back there. But it's continued now uh, 
it has had an impact. When we look at the numbers of people within um, North America, the difference in health, uh, the difference in economic status, the numbers of people that are homeless, as people have interviewed some of the uh, indigenous people who ha have been having prayer meetings, who've been having uh, ceremonies to, to mourn the dead, asking them, uh, what did they feel? It's that yes, now there does have to be a, a reconciliation that, uh, and, and so that, that nationhood, I think what we entitle and we feel um, that this nation belongs to us, us now the present people, we're the people that may be the citizen card-carrying citizens of Canada, card-carrying citizens of America. We say with words, we acknowledge that our work occurs. Every place, you know, some people have said we need to just stop saying that because to say we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of a particular people, but at the same time refuse to help rebalance what was taken away from the people who lived here before, it is not... Um, <laughs> It's not just, it's not proper. And things will continue to happen to bring about a lot of agony as the way the people perceive the nation. I mean, two nations I know about. I know about, I must, I know about the nation of America. I know about the nation of Canada. I left the nation of, of I didn't become an, I mean, I'm, I'm still a citizen fighting for certain rights there. But it was because of conflicts between creed and reality. And the picture that I had and that many Black people had of Canada is, here's a place that lives, lives according to its creed. It's a place offering freedom. It's a place offering all of these wonderful things. And now we're finding that, wow, there were a thousand children. I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg from looking at two residential homes. A thousand children who were killed, a thousand kids who died with their, their parents ever knowing what happened to them, a thousand families who just don't know, don't have any connection to the, uh, those children. And, and then the, the children who are in their 60s, 70s now who were in those schools and bringing up a fresh wave of grief. The, the, the uh, hotlines have got, had a 292% percent increase in crisis with people having this emotional break because it's such a conflict between our creed and what we say in reality. So I, uh, that's kind of my sense of nationhood is, yeah, we've got a nation, but if this nation is sitting on top of what was already a nation, then we can look at how do we go forward. How do we really make the reconciliation real so that we can be whole and so that whatever forgiveness, whatever needs to be done, you know, let's look at what, what are we committed to do? What can we do to bring about this, this um, reconciliation and comfort? Because right now, I'm sure that all as you know, news is going on. There's some people saying, oh, look at you, Canada. You said you were so great. And let's look at this. There are people mocking Canada. You know, China has asked the UN to look at uh, trying Canada for or investigating them for high crimes. So it, it's, it's put us in a kind of a jelly position. And so when we do have this need to reconciliate 
reconcile what is our nation, this new nation, as it sits on top of other nations, what can we do to bring about peace? What can we do to bring about a wholeness? So I will stop talking because there are different points that people might have of how what other people said about their words, what you think about them, and what you think we can do going forward. Gail, you were shaking your head. No. <laughs> unmute you. Oh, you have to unmute yourself. <laughs> You you still you still muted. My computer's okay. going wacky on me. I'm sorry, Charlotte. I was listening to you very carefully, but I had to call. I had to answer a call of nature when you introduced your word. So your word is uh, nation. Nation. Oh, excuse me. Nationhood. Nationhood. Well, I just find that very intriguing. That um, yeah. So would any Buddy, whose grandfather committed crime, be in the dock for committing that crime? No, that's not just because I'm not my grandfather who did that horrible thing. Uh, and this is how a lot of Canadians think. Um, but I do think we have to make restitution. Absolutely. And we're doing that by um, uh, the Crown Indigenous uh, uh, ministry slowly but surely, um, uh, and this is from the First Nations themselves, to um, give them autonomy. For instance, West Bank. I believe that West Bank is is a, a is a First Nation, um, and and uh, and there's all kind. Of, oh well, you know, um, Okanagan. They, they, they've been a, a, a First Nation for a long time. Uh, they, they, they've, had, they've done their own affairs, and they're fantastic. They, I, I remember in the 1990s and the early 90s, um, walking through the band office, and there was all these young guys at computers, and I went, whoa, this is cool. And so what the Okanagan do is they, they make it... Um, their mission to go around to other First Nations who want to get independence from the Indian Act and, and, and show them how to do it. And, and they're fantastic people. Um, and I've worked with them, et cetera, et cetera. And, and so what I think is that, no, I don't think that we should be hung up because uh, John A. McDonald was a drunk and a racist and passed a very cruel act, even for that time, right? Um, that's not our fault. He was seen as the father of Canada, and I, I always disrespected him. <laughs> uh, I listened to my Native friends. Um, but uh, should we be hung, drawn, and quartered? No. But what we should do is make restitution. Not pour millions of dollars into whatever, but to help First Nations find out who these, uh, uh, find out if they have any bodies. And, you know, I've, I've had a lot of respect for the Sisters of St. Anne. And I went, oh, God, this is happening in Sister St. Anne Residential School. Because I went to their retreats and that. They're very cool, radical people. Um, and they were the first ones saying, yeah, we're going to make restitution. This is so gross. And this is what our sisters did 100 years ago, and that's not us. 
That's the point. The people who, of 100 years ago are not us. We've learned. And thank you very much for your um, word, uh, Charlotte. Okay. Uh, Jesse, you know, we some words have come up that, again, um, relate to treaties or relate to nations. You had some bullet points about some of the words. Are you able to share those? Oh, he's muted. Jesse, you're muted. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Sorry, I'm I'm on my phone, so it takes me a little longer to mute. Um, Charlotte, are you talking about um, the terminology that? Yes, like because we've said uh, First Nations treaty. In fact, since since some enumerator came around and they asked me of my indigenous relationship, whether whether it was First Nations treaty. Uh, are you, uh, Aboriginal people don't have sure. a good sense of what those mean. Sure. Well, I think um, it's part of the reason is that it's complicated and not everyone has the same relationship to the terminology, um, person to person and um, nation to nation and all of that. Um, I think there are terms like Indian, which are generally outdated and generally considered offensive, but um, there are also some indigenous people who use that term themselves. Um, particular, that seems to be more common um, south of the border in the United States. But generally, when approaching terminology, you should be as specific as possible. Um, if you can say that someone is a member of the Tsleil-Waututh um, Nation, as opposed to are they indigenous or are they First Nation, etc. Um, that's generally better, but a lot of these terms are also um, tied up in sort of legislation. Like uh, I believe Gail mentioned the Indian Act, um, and in because that document was written uh, a long time ago, when that was the word that was used, um, a lot of the terms like uh, status Indian or non-status Indian or treaty Indian are all they're all legal terms that um, when you're dealing in the legal framework appropriate to use, but um, generally the, the sort of rule of thumb, because um, also like First Nation is also sort of the quote-unquote official term when it comes to uh, government work and things, but uh, the sort of current consensus these days is to be, if possible, like to be as specific as possible to name, because, you know, not every, you know, an, an Indigenous person from the Tsleil-Waututh uh, band uh, is going to be very different from uh, an Algonquin person, right? So just to be as specific as possible, and if you don't know, uh, then Indigenous terminology. Does that answer your question? What about Aboriginal? Uh, that's also um, a sort of dated Okay, so part of what you it's important. I'm sorry, this this building that this, the 411 Center is in is under construction, so there's someone sewing uh, on the other side. I thought this boardroom would be nice and quiet, but somewhere on the other side, they're renovating something, so I, I 
mute myself to take out the saw. Um, having conversations, as we were talking and approaching different people about speaking, not only for Indigenous Heritage Month, but for um, Asian heritage, uh, each of the months that we've had, uh, people have said they don't want to necessarily be come on to explain what people need to do that we need to learn. Uh, what issues are among different communities and how uh, the word that, that, that Gail used, uh, how to be an ally. Uh, we've had members of Quirky that are in our group uh, and it is uh, uh, an organization where people participate around the issues of the day, but they will share information about uh, members of the LGBT Q community, but that is not their only label in life. So I think welcoming people to take part in uh, conversations, to have a meal, to be able to have a discussion. And uh, again, when, as you said, don't, it, it was my great, 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 great grandfather, not me, so don't hang me for what he did. But at the same time of looking at if my great, great grandfather or grandmother did something that was uh, hurtful or harmful to your people? What kinds of ways can I use the law? How can we, as people who take time to know the law, we, everyone who has got their full rights or everyone who's able to operate with certain entitlements or privileges within Canada, when we observe that it's not being done for other people, whether it's here or worldwide, I think part of what we have, uh, a responsibility we have is to speak up for people to, to join and give uh, credence to their voices. Because if people say, oh, it's just those people uh, protesting again next week, it's just the black people, or it's just those uh, Indians again, or it's just those people again, to not see people as those people, but to see that connecting the creed, that's one of the things I see about nationhood, having uh, a creed that you say, the things that we say and hold to be truths, uh, if these things are self-evident, how are we helping to make them really be self-evident? And speaking up, when we see things, uh, a, a few weeks ago, Brian, who was here, was talking about his experience in Chinatown. Uh, there are places where people who lived in a particular neighborhood, people with more money come in and they buy up the neighborhood, and then they uh, put buildings there that the people who lived in that neighborhood can't afford to live in and the people get shoved to the side. Well, having a voice, you mentioned, I think Nancy mentioned and someone else mentioned taking part in uh, polls and surveys and, and um, meetings that city council is having to find out. I think you also said that Mario, find out what people want in terms of accessibility that also we should look out and say, but what about the, all of these people that were living in rooming houses that have been closed up and now are going to go on the street and not looking then at the people on the street and a great disproportionate number of the people on the street are people of color, handicapped people, and people who were the original inhabitants of this nation and ask questions, why is this? Why aren't we providing? Uh, the part of the reason for the millions of dollars that are being asked for in reconciliation is uh, 
people who lost access to their land now need proper housing and some of that money needs to go into proper housing. There are too many people, you know, when they look at just the distribution of the the COVID vaccinations, uh, difficulty in setting up systems for getting things to people, that we need to really raise questions about, you know, the infrastructure, raise questions about why is it so hard for First Nations people or their original people that were on this, 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 this country to not be able to get the same services, not get the same level of health care, that lending our voices. There are so many reports. There's the red, 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 you know, there's a report about missing and indig- missing and murdered Indigenous women. There's a report about numbers of things that have been presented to legislative bodies, but it's only those people protesting. I think that that's where within uh, nationhood and there within our our spiritual beliefs or our beliefs as being better people, that one of the things is not making the people who have been um, taken advantage of be the only voices, be alone when they go to court, be alone when they go to counseling, or be alone when they are uh, sitting in a medical center and somebody is, is mistreating them. So what do you think from you know, the perspectives uh, we have Within our group, Mario, we have some people that are poets, some are writers. What are ways that you see that we could use the those skills we have to help bring about a reality that, to the creed that this is a free country where everybody is welcome and everybody can, you know, grow and have a wonderful life? What are ways that we could use our talents to make that a reality? Thank you. Uh- First, I would like to take uh, exemption to what you said about uh, the people in the in, in the uh, disadvantaged area because uh, d- during the pandemic, the first thing that the government, the the Fed, the, the provincial government did was give priority to the people in downtown east side for vaccination. They were the first ones who were given vaccination, and this is one of the things that made BC successful is preventing this group of uh, of uh, people uh, from uh, further uh, from being infected with the, with the illness. So that was a great uh, issue that was addressed by the present uh, uh, medical uh, Dr. Bon uh, uh, Henry. And the and the provincial government. So that is, I believe, uh, one of the better things that the government has done for the homeless, the indigenous, and people of color. Because as as you have mentioned, these people in the downtown east side is composed of mostly by this uh, mentioned group. I also would like to point out that we have a tendency to put people in pedestals, like we say, Canada is here and this is the model and we are supposed to be doing this, doing that. But putting people, uh, governments or or, uh, or governments or countries in a pedestal or putting people in a pedestal will make them it will make these people so inaccessible. And what I mean by that is nobody can, we put people in such a high state that nobody can live up to those uh, ideals. So um, I like to uh, commend Gail uh, 
with what she said about why punish the great, great, great grandchildren for the sins of their grandparents. So um, I think that is a valid observation. And instead of restitution by paying millions of dollars, as I mentioned before, what uh, Gail has mentioned about making amendments, making uh, amenities that are that would help these people would probably a better uh, way uh, of spending our resources. And what does the great great grandchildren can do to make amendments? Uh, I believe um, uh, participating, volunteering uh, in this in in uh, in these areas because uh, volunteering is one way of la- making life se- uh, 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 for seniors a better play a better uh, healthy aging. Uh, one, uh, volunteering is one of the ways for healthy aging, uh, as most authors of the new healthy aging books have recommended. Uh, volunteering and knowing, uh, going to these areas and find out uh, what is actually going on in there. There are people, uh, groups, the East Indian community is very good in providing free meals Saturday and Sunday in these areas. So charities, societies probably should should look up to these um, minority groups and say, what is working? What are these small churches doing? And I have, I do uh, for, because of my work in advocacy, I do visit it, uh, this uh, down the corner of Maine and and, uh, Hastings Street. And occasionally I will find individuals with huge uh, containers of soup and and plain bread ladling up these things. And I see trucks, uh, little uh, vans with uh, pizza or some native or whatever food that they they buy in bulk and distribute to these people. And um, I also work with different uh, organizations to help um, uh, to help. Um, Communities. I, I'm an advocate for people uh, living with disabilities, and and uh, whether it's transportation, public amenities, or whatever they need for uh, advocates, I am there to give a voice from the point of view of people living with disabilities. I hope that answers your question. I am. You're welcome to ask uh, additional questions if you wish. Well, I think the advocacy is really needed. You know, the advocacy in the, the, the family court. This We've had people who've discussed um, the fact that still uh, some people are calling the uh, foster care system the new residential care, residential uh, school system because a disproportionate number of uh, indigenous people's children get taken and that they need advocates, sometimes mothers of, uh, not not just within the indigenous people, but we've heard refugees. Last week we had a speaker who was a refugee and it's something that happens when people are trying to get established. They might have children sleeping two to a bed or they might be using uh, pallets on a floor. The children aren't really uh, at danger, but because a particular worker comes into the home and deems that they're, they're not living at the same level as uh, 
children in a middle-class home, the children get taken. And so advocacy, that's one of the areas that we've heard people say that people need advocates when they go to court to help them uh, keep their children. Um, okay, other um, thoughts, Nancy, what are you thinking? Unmute. <laughs> Just digesting all of the conversation. I have great appreciation for the depth that Mario went into and Gail as well with some of the issues at hand. And advocacy definitely is, is always called for and needed. It's so easy to misunderstand things so quickly and people jump to conclusions and perceptions and perspectives very quickly. And there can be so much emotion involved in something. So advocacy in terms of just making sure that everybody's heard, you know, heard clearly and understanding the situation and, and what's occurring. So there isn't, you know, any misunderstandings. And, and I had deep appreciation for what Mario just uh, said in terms of what he's seeing. Um, from charitable groups, you know, what are they doing? How are people being supported? I, I want to, yeah, thank you, Nancy. Um, I, w I want to expand on what uh, uh, Charlotte said about foster homes. I, I want to focus on that because that is one area that I, that really sort of gets me is how, how come they are still taken away and and maybe we should uh, make sure that uh, these areas uh, need uh, a, a focus so that we can see why are the children being taken away and maybe we could make amendments and maybe understanding the uh, the uh, uh, British Columbia is one of the most diverse multicultural uh, um, area in Canada because of the diversity of uh, immigrants uh, uh, in Canada. So there are cultures that uh, that seem peculiar, whose customs may seem peculiar to the white uh, people who administers this this laws kind of thing. So probably a, uh, what we call the cultural sensitivity training for for those administrators uh, is required. So this is part of the amendment or changes that needs to be done. Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in here. Um, for years now, um, First Nations um, have their advocates um, who go to family court with the mothers and, 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 and uh, they have always called for, okay, if you're going to remove a child from a home, put him or her in a First Nations home. It'll be a lot better for them. And this business of two children sleeping in one bed, I, I shared a bed with my sister for years. Like, what's that? That's working class. That's totally working class. Like, hello. Middle class, this is all BS, this middle class um, uh, bar, bar that everybody's got to be middle class. Well, no, that's not the truth. And, and, and at least 50, 60% are working class and they're doing what they're doing and doing the best they can with for their families. And you know what I'll tell you, and I'm talking about my um, uh, uh, niece's kids. Her husband was no good. And, and so she finally kicked him out. But 
what happened is in that household, um, all the kids had part-time jobs. All the kids had cars. <laughs> the typical working class household. Um, and the same when I was teaching at St. Pat's. I, I was, uh, and I said, how many of you guys uh, are working uh, after school? Most of the hands went up, working class people. That's the reality, whereas middle class, well, you get to take all these fancy courses, but working class, you're making your pocket money. And I know because I grew up that way. There is a um, song that we are going to just listen to. And Jesse, maybe you can tell us a bit about this particular artist while I'm opening the screen share. Sure. Um, we're going to hear a track by Night Sun, who uh, is a uh, Cree Métis artist who is originally from uh, Alberta, but now lives here in, uh, in the lower mainland. Um, her name is Tikkakasi Sim, and uh, she's done a bunch of stuff at CGSF, and uh, the song is called, sorry, I've lost it here, uh, it's called One Spike. And uh, it's a couple of years old, but I think it, uh, it resonates nicely. Is what we're coming space. Once you tell the woman to know her place, she will discover she is. 
the message but why is Dwight does she keep uh, holding her crutch oh no 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 no, no. I, I i love it i, I that, that that's the kids that's that's the rap and it's the um you know mario in um there's what's called the the, the birthic tradition where poets and this happened in europe and i'm sure it happened uh in north america among the first nations poets used to travel around from uh, village to village and they 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 the rap poetry and the people fed them and, um, you know, gave them a place to sleep. But that's an old tradition that's coming alive, and I love it. Uh, on the other hand, I'm a very conservative person. And somebody aping another culture, the Black culture, regarding this rap and holding crutches, uh, I find it um, distracting. And that's a polite word I use. I... I want to use something more denigrating, but politeness does not allow me to say that. But um, but to me, the the message is great. the The lyrics are great. The visuals, I take a little bit except of exception. Thank you. I'd like to say, you know, rap music, the chant, call, and response is not just rap culture. It goes back. I mean. This is something that is not only in um, African culture, but other people have got call and response. Rap artists began to use particular rhyming forms to get attention to the initial wave of rap was that it took a lot of things of addressing the society, yelling to the society, but also it was a message people could listen and follow. Uh, this young woman is using something that it's not just them, would you use the word aping another culture? Uh, it is something that is a popular form that's also used, but we just don't hear it. Uh, there are, there's a, uh, another piece that we're not going to have time to play right now, but it's a, a, throat, a thing called throat singing. And this person is bringing, again, there's a vibration, there's a flow. So, the communication of her ideas, uh, it's, people have said young people of, of 
all the different <laughs> ethnicities were not involved. They weren't interested. Uh, but we see and hear through the music that people are uh, bringing about issues that need to be raised. Women uh, within First Nations, Indigenous women here have been particularly sexually abused. There are some crimes that have gone unsolved. There have been things where the government has been asked to look into it. And years have passed since reports have been placed. So when she's saying telling a woman to stay in her place, um, that is something that people were heard, not only a woman, but, you know, I've heard people, you know, tell me as a black person, you black people need to stay in your place or you're moving out of place. So that song picked up something that is an element to be discussed. So while it may be not as tasteful in terms of the music that, um, I would say we as a, I'm an older person, I don't like all rap. Some rap songs really upset me, but I understand the message that it gets across um, and that it's just a communication form. But I think that it just raises things for us to think about and to know that intergenerationally, I've heard in like music, we play J.D. JB the First Lady and her song still rise. And within the song, even though she's using a form that is hip hop music, she's saying everyone of all ages come together, all colors come together. So it involves listening and seeing the hope or seeing the ways that we can make the connection. Because if we're separated generationally, it's another way where people don't care if older people have a hard time with stairs or that there need to be more ramps because they say that's just an older person's issue. So I think that one of the things now that we get to see is that these different issues are all our issues. And uh, from whatever form you communicate, there was someone here today that was singing uh, gospel song. <laughs> and that's the way he communicates. He, he loves singing at the 411 Center. So I think that those are ways that we can link through music, through poetry, through uh going to court through being advocates. It, it, as you mentioned food, one of the problems that Vancouver had uh, during the pandemic, and it still occurs that there has been an increase in the number of families who were, who were out of work. There's an increase of what's the visible, invisible people that we don't see. And Food Stash is one program that has moved to get millions of pounds of food to other places. But a lot of food banks are low, food banks that serve that not only downtown Eastside community, but serve Burnaby, that serve uh, other areas, you know, within, you know, that you don't see, we don't see walking around downtown that we don't see. There are areas in, of, of, in pockets of underserved people, pockets of people who um, need to be heard or that we need to just reach out. So as we're being advocates, we need to also look at, okay, there was a flash squad that, that set as its task, making sure the downtown east side, the area where there were most people on the street got immunized. But then there were other people that were not. So I think we need to just, you know, be people who share light or keep saying, um, what about those people? And where the millions of dollars, I mean, someone said they were putting a million dollars more into helping uh, connect people who had lost their children into the system. And they said, well, me, you won't do it. It will take uh, 
several million dollars, maybe even a billion dollars to reconcile things that happen within the education system. There are young people that we've talked with from a number of different communities that say there's nothing in the Canadian textbooks about the contributions of of people from India, Pakistan, uh, China, Africa, all the spaces that have helped put Canada at this level now where where we've got the level of, of, um, you know, of technology. And so that the textbooks, some of the money that people are demanding be spent, be spent to really make new textbooks, make new audiobooks. It takes a long time to write a book, but we have people who know these histories that have been left out. And there's a push to spend some money into making it right, because with the history not being there, then people don't have the appreciation that all this, as you mentioned, this is a very international city, but people don't know about how their people have connected. So it's another thing that just makes us so in an ideal community that we look at not just, well, oh, it's so much money, but how, what can the money do to bring about harmony? What can money do to close the gap that exists between uh, what people have contributed to Canada, what people have the ability to do instead of people just seeing, oh, those people are good for this thing, or these people are good for that, or these people are good for the railroad, or these good people are good for packing, but to really see all of the richness that's there. And that takes money. It's not, like you said, not just hand people, you know, packets of money, but really put money into things that will uh, reconcile some of the differences and reconcile some of the the harm that was done by just taking over people's land and property and, you know, moving forth without moving them ahead. And also, uh, in the meantime, while they're hunting around for money, Every school has an internet connection, and every First Nation that I know has a web page, and they can start there. As an old teacher, yeah, that's what you do if you don't have resources, you hunt around. I think this is what, I uh, thank you, uh, Charlotte, because uh, this is exactly what I am aiming when I said we need to make changes and amendments uh, instead of giving uh, uh, 500,000 to individuals. Why mm-hmm. not make uh, great policies uh, like uh, what you mentioned about, uh, about re-storytelling, re about uh, correcting or or making a a a a change in our in our books based on actually what happened rather than base it on the white uh, person people's perception of what happened so uh, as a, a recent article i read is uh, something like um, if um, if we act with we and know actually who Churchill is, is, we would put him down in the trash bin, but we do but why put him in a trash bin when we need we need to acknowledge the great things that were done by Churchill, but at the same time we need to acknowledge the fault, the racism involved during his uh, with his uh, uh, term in the office kind of thing. In other words, we write in the history in the context of the participation of the indigenous indigenous community um, in, in Canada and how they contributed to the to the to the uh, to the growth of Canada as a nation as a country. Thank you. Yeah. 
I think what you all have said and done is indicative of what we need to do is to be able to have conversations. We have seen examples of what happened in a neighboring country when one person just <laughs> released <laughs> the trash bin of unkind conversations, unkind communications with people that we can look at uh, What's the commonality between words? What are the differences in the ways that we experience things and have peaceful, productive conversations that uh, Canada Day is coming up and there are some people saying we should cancel Canada Day. There are other people yelling that it's ridiculous. But I think that one of the things that this podcast has shown that it's possible to have different views about things and from the differences in views, we get inspirations or thoughts of what things we can do together because together is where we have hope and together is where our future can grow and be different from the things. How can we set things in practice that we don't have the kind of atrocities that occurred in Germany, that kind of atrocities that have occurred in some parts of different places that do our conversations through uh, what we don't know is somebody, we've had people within this group that have researched things and brought somebody who's looked into something, look at ways we can go. And the reservoir of information and experiences that we have as, as older people that we can share that. We have a lot to draw on. It's not like we, every one of you is very intelligent. Everyone has had experiences that we can bring to the table when people are saying, what can I do? What can we, there's nothing we can do. You know, we, you each of it, you know, express things that we can do. So that is one of the stories that will continue with with Powered by Age. We uh, had about 20 topics last year that we looked at that we want to talk to you about uh, in sending out and in preparing for uh, July. Uh, Nancy, Jesse, and I in particular will be sending polls to find out what do you want to learn? What do you want to talk about? What do you want to do? Some of the people that have... Uh, just uh, about six people from 411 who um, wrote an email that they want to join. There are different things that they want to present. So we're very much looking for you to know what are some things that you would like to see us do, discuss, what are some things that you might want to, if you've written. Uh, Neil has written and almost every week shared a poem that related to the topic of the day. Gail has interviewed people. So you uh, are very welcome, Maria. We want to learn what things you're interested in and just involve you in this process that we have of growing and glowing together and working to make a world that works for everyone. Yeah, Neil, I just wanted to tell you that I pray for you every day. Well, uh, that's nice of you, or, or, or more than nice. It's very gracious of you, but... Uh, uh, my wound has healed over, and uh, I'm uh, I'm recovering nicely. Uh, thank you very much, and uh, uh, I'm uh, it. It was a bit challenging to take all those meds. Uh, because I'm not, I'm always so healthy, but there was a blockage and, and there was an emergency and the, yeah. they, 
they opened me up. At three in the morning, the doctor said, "We need to we need to operate right now." Mm-hmm. And if we and if you don't, you're you're dead by by seven. He said, but he, yeah. he he later said, well, it could be till noon. So <laughs> anyway, thank you for your prayers. Okay, that's a good thing that's happened within this group because we prayed for Gail and we have some people that have asked to be in communication with each other and have encouraged each other with treatments for cancer, treatments for a number of things. So that's something else, uh, Maria, where people, someone was here today saying, oh, I'm sick of Zoom. I just want to be able to meet and talk with people. But people have, aside from the meeting, made an arrangement to meet each other and have coffee or have tea or work on things. So those are all of the things that we are merging and working on continuing and growing within the Powered by Age. So I will say, bid you adieu. And we are, since... uh, Next Thursday is a uh, a holiday, and we won't have all of the support that we have. We're going to be recording a special program that will play on our Powered by Age website, so you'll be able to hear a special presentation, but then we will be contacting you through email to get your ideas on what kind of special things do we want to jump into July with. Mario, I just sent you my email in chat, so... Okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Gail. I'm part of it. A guy I want to have a cup of tea with. Yes, well, once the uh, the um, the the pandemic uh, social isolation is uh, oh, yeah. is over, I would love to chat. I I I work with different groups, and mm-hmm. and I'm very interested in knowing uh, people associated with the um, with the uh, who work for with the, uh, the indigenous groups, and it, this is very important group uh, in most of the conversations nowadays in the medical uh, care services. Yeah, yeah. I am not seeing I am not seeing the emailing chat, but uh, maybe Charlotte can forward my email to you oh that's okay that's okay that that's fine I, I, i'm not seeing your email so oh, okay oh i'm sorry about that but you i did send you my email but thank you ah you can just, I, did, I didn't get i i, I got it, it says difficulty so i'm not i'm wondering something is wrong with the chat today because yeah. it's saying difficulty in sending okay. your message i'm seeing i'm seeing it but I don't think you're seeing it. Okay. Well, Jesse will help me anyway, figure next, a way to send uh, yeah. it to you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll okay. get it. Charlotte, please send my email to Gail, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you. Right, Neil? Bye. Yeah, okay. Bye. Have a good one, Guy. Jesse, yeah. thank you for your participation. Have a good afternoon, everybody. Yeah, yeah. same to you.